This is Annie Grace, and you're listening to this Naked Mind podcast, where without judgment, pain, or rules, we explore the role of alcohol in our lives and culture. Hi, this is Annie Grace, and welcome to this Naked Mind podcast. I'm here today with Molly, who's going to share her story. Welcome, Molly. So happy to have you here. Hi, thank you. Good to be here. Oh, I love your accent. Where are you from? <laughs> um, I'm originally from North Carolina, but I live in uh, South Carolina. Awesome. That's so cute. I love it. Southern accent going on. <laughs> so why don't you just kind of take us back to the beginning? Like, where did, where did it all start for you? Okay. Um, the funny thing is, is that I had to write everything down. Like I had to go back cause I just couldn't remember years and like exact years and things like that. So I, um, if I keep looking over, I was writing down like the time, um, for some of this. So it, um, I feel like I have to start by saying that for a while it always seemed to be food related. Um, not that I ever had major problems with food and as a kid I was fine. And even as a teenager, it was fine. But, um, I feel like there was always like, once I got into college, I realized, um, like, oh, I could run or I could join a gym. And like, that's kind of when it started to be, oh, I need to lose weight. Um, so food was always my thing. Like I felt like I ate for comfort, I ate too much and I ate when it was emotional and things like that. Um, and there was like this little, um, time period. Well, I guess starting back to, I'm sorry, when I was a kid growing up, my house was fine. I mean, we drank sweet tea and Coke and Mellow Yellow. I don't <laughs> ever remember. There were not wine glasses at the dinner table or anything like that with my parents. Um, the most exciting thing I saw or what I thought was exciting was when, if my mom made a strawberry daiquiri and I got to have a virgin one, you know, but I just knew that it was gross tasting. And in high school, I did the usual, what, Zima and wine coolers, but it's just what you did. But I didn't do anything excessive. And college was the basic, just college. My, you know, my freshman year was, I was proud of how much beer I could drink to keep up with the boys. And that it was just all fun. And throughout college, it was all fun. Um, but then, um, there was a there was a period where my husband and I like the market was good and my husband and I had built our first house and um moved out there you know the plans were we're gonna live here for 12 years and have eight babies and whatever happens and we're gonna live here forever and um at that time my husband said well if you don't want to work you don't have to and I just thought that was a no-brainer I was like well yeah I'm not gonna I don't have to work. I'm not going to work. But then I kind of found myself experimenting with food. This is sort of when the gluten-free craze was in and a little bit of starting to be dairy-free. And I always said that I had, um, I don't know, stomach issues. And I was like, all right, I'm just going to do some testing and see, well, if I go gluten-free, what is it going to be like? If I go dairy-free, what is it going to be like? And it, it's almost like long story short, it ballooned into an obsession. Mm. And, you know, my husband said maybe it was because I didn't have anything to do. Um, I mean, I don't know. Uh, Cause at the time I didn't think that there was anything wrong with it. I thought I was being healthy. I thought it was normal. I had my stuff together. 
Um, but, you know, I got to where every meal I was obsessed about no gluten and no dairy, every single meal. And I was eating lots of little meals a day. And um, it, ugh, it, it just, it just became everything. But I didn't think I was, I didn't think it was an obsession. It was just like, it's fine. I'm healthy. And I was exercising too. Um, so of course I lost weight and got thin. And in my brain, it was like, I got this figured out. You know, why doesn't everybody else know how to do this? And then nobody would be fat. And, you know, that sounds horrible. It was just the way that I was thinking. Um, but I mean, it didn't last. That wasn't lasting because it was so strict. And I didn't realize it, but all of a sudden I just started craving things. Um, probably because my body was like, you got to feed me something. And then it turned into, um, you know, I'd eat four bowls of Cocoa Krispies after I'd already had breakfast and then I'd go exercise it off. So it, it just became this nasty little thing um, that I'd never experienced before. And I know I was drinking at that time, but that wasn't my focus. My focus was food. So I gained weight back that I had lost plus a few pounds. Um, but I had read um, Portia de Rossi's book, The Actress, and um, mm. I remember on Oprah, and I wasn't able to watch the Oprah interview, but I read her book, and though I wasn't as extreme as her, there was so much of her story and so much of the emotional side of it that I was doing. Mm -hmm. And so I look and I was like, Oh my God, I didn't even know this, but like, this is what I was doing, except I didn't get to 85 pounds or I wasn't that extreme, but I just thought, Holy crap. Like that was what I was doing. I didn't realize it. So like you mean in terms of that level of attempting to control everything? Yeah, no, I just, I thought I was being healthy. It's right. like this healthy and I'm exercising. And, but I mean, I did the same type of exercise on this certain day, the same reps, you know, and if I didn't do it, it would stress me out. And then obviously when it turned into, I was eating in secret and then exercising in secret, um, which, you know, clearly is a problem. But at the time, I just thought, I just got to control myself and just get it together. Like, I, di I didn't really understand what was happening, but it was happening and I couldn't stop it. And then clearly it just got to a point where I was like, well, I've already gained the weight. I can't do anything about this. And then read her book. And it was just kind of like this aha moment. I thought, well, okay, you know, I've gained the weight. I'm eating like I normally do now. I see what happened. Okay. <laughs> um, and I guess about that time, maybe towards the end of it, after I'd started to gain the weight was about the time too, that the market crashed, um, you know, kind of the recession, if you will. So the business that my husband had started where I didn't have to work was very market dependent. Um, and so it was kind of like, well, we're, we're either going to survive and keep the business afloat or we can keep our house. So I, you know, we chose to keep the business cause we wanted to stay afloat. So we, you know, lost our house and then started like a new branch of the business just to, to keep afloat. So then I started working again. Um, 
which was great because it was good to get the business going. But I think that that's when the alcohol started to come in as a different thing. So in my mind, I kind of had a, a hold on the food. And did you, like, okay. how many, you had kids? No, we didn't have any children. Okay. Okay. No, just a dog. Uh, Which is interesting but, because I ask because of how much, if you're not working, how much time alone you have and what you do to kind of fill that time, right? Because it, it's like an interesting thing, especially with the food. So I think that through. Yeah. Um, so the work, you know, obviously was a new side of the business and it was like, you're all in, you know, we gotta, you gotta work every day. You, we just, we gotta get it done and we gotta do what we need to do, which was fine because we had to get it going and we had to get things moving. Um, I kind of laughed because I got my first Blackberry so I could look at email in my car. And when I was out, in, you know, in the field was what we did. I was all excited about that. Um, but obviously it was really stressful and it wasn't about losing our house, the stress. Like we knew that there were lots of people that were way, way worse than we were. Like we had a roof, we were fine. Um, but it was just the work and it was the business that was every day and all day long. And so it's kind of like, I didn't really know, I didn't know how to deal with the stress and I didn't know how to relax at night because you kind of couldn't relax at night you know, you might've had to answer phone calls or write emails at seven or eight o'clock. I was like, well, we just drank. Like I just drank. Cause it's just that relaxed me, but still allowed me to maybe work if I needed to. Um, yeah. but I was thinking about it. I didn't think that there was any, there was nothing wrong in my mind necessarily, but I know that it definitely started about that time. So, um, I think 2009, I think, was when we had started that business. And then our, um, our daughter was born in 2012. Um, and we just have one child now. Um, we're one and done. Uh, <laughs> um, so 2012, she was born. I had no problems not drinking, you know, when I got pregnant. I mean, that didn't, that wasn't even a thought in my head. I remember my doctor saying I could drink if I wanted. And I tried maybe a sip one night and just thought, oh, this is disgusting. Um, and then after she was born was when the whole stress level with the work and the job and then her combined, like really ramped up. So as soon as I could drink um, after I had her, it was like, uh, yeah, I need wine. Like, I need this. This is a necessity. <laughs> and there are lots of pictures of you know, me holding her with her bottle and I can see the glass on the table mm -hmm. or and tell by my red cheeks that I was drinking. And I just know I was because it was like, yeah, it's been an insane day. And then we have her. I, I need wine. Um, even though she was a good baby, it was just, it's new. It's stressful. You know, it's just yeah. like, oh, what are we going to do? And then you're still dealing with having to always look at your phone and work stuff and whatever, usual things. So, um, and around the time that she was born, or maybe a couple of years after, um, I started to get into triathlons. I'd always been running. I'd always done running races and half marathons and things like that. But um, we started to do triathlons and we did some short distance ones here in our hometown. 
And then we started training for longer ones, like a what's called a half Ironman um, distance race. And so we had one, um, I have to look at the date, that was in um, 2015. And throughout all the training, I was still drinking wine like normal. Um, I didn't think it was excessive, didn't really. It was just fun. I just enjoyed drinking. And I always and prided like myself. the running culture, by the way. I mean, it really is. When I was running um, half marathons and stuff, it was absolutely part of the whole running culture to have alcohol. Carb load before, the night before, I remember doing yes. that, like with the beers. And then right after the race was done, replenish with the beer. <laughs> it was like such a thing, you know. Yes. It, it's been fascinating to notice that with triathlons and especially longer distance ones, they're not really into that, yes. but for running races, it's everywhere. Um, yeah, it's, it's everywhere and it is baffling. And even when I was drinking, I didn't want a beer after I did a race. I was like, Oh, this is disgusting, but I would want it maybe that night, but I wouldn't want it after the race. Um, so we're, we were in Texas for this first race that I was doing, this long distance one that I'd never done before. And again, we always drank. And so two nights before the race, we like, I had like partied like we were in college. I mean, we were just having a good time and drinking a lot of wine. And so that next day, the day before my very first race, I just had a massive hangover. I just remember, you know, waking up and you just know that feeling as soon as you wake up. And I thought, oh my God, I feel horrible, but I'm going to go have breakfast, drink coffee, eat bacon, whatever nasty stuff I can eat and I'll be fine. And sitting there with my husband at breakfast, I was just trying not to throw up and he's fine. I mean, he, I don't even remember if he felt gross. He seemed to be totally fine. And, and I do remember sitting there thinking, I'm getting ready to do my very first half Ironman race and I am completely hungover, like nasty where I need to go to sleep. And this is so stupid, but I just moved about the day and ate a bunch of greasy, who knows what kind of stuff. And then even that night at dinner, I had like two glasses of wine. And then the next day I got up and did the race and it was like, okay. But I was able to finish the race and subsequent races. So it's sort of, you know, maybe it's a minute in my mind, like, well, it's not really affecting me. Like I can still do the race. I still felt good. I still pushed hard. So it's okay. I'm just doing what everybody does. I'm just drinking my wine. And it's, of course you can drink wine and train, you know, it's totally normal. Of course you could do that. But you know, so, and then it was just funny. It was like, yeah, well, Molly had a hangover a couple of days before her first race, you know, ha ha ha. And of course, looking back on it, you're like, it's really not that funny. But at the time it was funny. And the following year, um, we did another half Ironman in Florida. So we drove to it um, and had rented a house and took my parents and our daughter. And of course our grocery store stop included getting wine because we knew we were going to drink it like normal. The drive to Florida, I had a hangover and I was eating chips in the back seat. Um, and I remember texting my friend again, it's funny because I texted my friend saying something like, well, there's nothing like going to a half Ironman race and having a hangover. Ha ha. You know, and she wrote back something funny too. So did the race fine. 
you know, so again, it sort of cements like it's not a big deal if you're drinking and training, you can totally do it. Um, so nothing, I wasn't being affected by it, um, except obviously I was having hangovers, but from a race standpoint, right. you know, and again, I felt healthy. I was like, yeah, I'm healthy. I'm doing all this exercise and look at what I can do. And I still drink and it's no big deal. It's totally normal. I think this is what everybody does. <laughs> um, but then when I started looking back at, um, basically I started looking back at my Amazon account because to see like, what was I buying? Cause I know that I, at some point I started purchasing a lot of stuff, which means I started really thinking about alcohol and maybe started to question it. And I think probably in 2015, which is when I did my first half Ironman and had the hangover, I think that's when, even though I wouldn't admit it to myself, I think I was starting to question it. Um, like I had a couple of purchases of like mood boosting vitamins, you know, cause I just remember always feeling kind of not depressed, but just a little bit low and just feeling like I have no reason to feel like this. So maybe I should try some vitamins and just see if it does anything. Um, and then um, I remember too, that I listened to the, the book Alcohol Lied to Me. Yeah, that was the name of it. I listened to that. And the funny thing is, is that I know that I purchased your book on my Kindle, but I deleted it. And that's like a whole other story too. Yeah. Because number one, I wasn't going to buy the paper book and sit in my bed and read it. Because then I would right. have to talk. I was like, there's no way in hell I'm doing that. But I'm totally going to get it on the Kindle because I can just flip through and it's kind of hidden. Because I remember highlighting a ton of stuff in the book, but then at some point I deleted it and I don't know when I deleted it and I don't know why. I guess I was afraid he never looks at the Kindle, but I don't know if I was thinking he would see it and I was trying to hide something. I don't know. So I don't have an exact remembrance of when I got it, but I know I got it because I, I just vividly remember all the highlights and thinking, oh my God, this, this is like genius and this is it. But uh, it didn't, um, it didn't change anything though, but I, I agreed and understood everything that was in there. It just didn't change anything inside me, which was interesting. Um, and then what did I do? Oh, I forgot to mention too. I'm sorry. That's why my, my memory is bad. Um, probably starting in like 2014, I was, um, even though my food was under control and all that was fine, I was consistently taking those little Garcinia something, something, something tablets that are supposed to be fat burners. I don't even know if they do anything, but I was like obsessed with them. And I was telling myself, well, yeah, my food's under control, but I'm still taking these little two quote vitamins every day to help with fat loss or fat burning while I'm exercising. So that was kind of a looking back on it because I don't take them anymore. That's kind of a hypocritical thing. Like I was afraid to let go of those because mm -hmm. I was, afraid that was maybe the reason why I was quote thin. So you could see I still had like a little bit of something going on in my head about my body or food or whatever. Um, and then 
Oh my God. 2016 and 2017 is where it just like ramped up. Like the list of what I was buying and things that I was listening to just completely ramped up. So in 2016 and 17, I was clearly like in the thick of, you know, if, if I found myself searching for a book about drinking alcohol, obviously I was thinking that I had a problem going on, but I was never admitting to myself, well, I have a problem. I was never saying that. It was just like, well, I'm just curious. Or well, I just want to read this woman's story because I'm just curious. But the whole story is about her struggle with alcohol. So, but I was just never able to tell myself or admit to myself, this is really what's going on. And all the while still drinking my normal amount every night. Um, but it was just interesting, like, I read the book, A Happier Hour. You know, I was buying memoirs of triathletes that talk about living, you know, fearlessly and living your best life and um, little like inspirational stories like that. Like I was like reaching and grabbing for anything, any sort of inspiration to make me feel better. Um, who else did I do? I was getting like essential oils for re relaxation and um, read her best kept secret, Why Women Drink. Um, I got Elizabeth Vargas's book, her memoir, and listened to that like three times, I think. And with all the audiobooks and things that I was listening to, because again, it had to be an audiobook. I wasn't gonna sit in bed at home. Well, number one, I was drinking, so I knew I couldn't read it at night. I wouldn't remember anything. And I didn't want my husband to see what I was reading. So an audiobook or something I could download on iTunes was perfect because I could just listen in my car on my own. Um, but, and I just kept, I think what I was doing was I was wanting to find that Portia de Rossi story when I had the food problems. I wanted to find like this aha moment. And I just felt like I read everything that was out there. Um, Cause even in 2017, I got, Kick the Drink by Jason Vale. I did the Quit Drinking by Alan Carr. I got your book again, and I think I put it on audio so I could listen to it again because I deleted the Kindle version and didn't have it anymore. And got a juice plan book. You know, I was like, maybe I just need to drink juices that are good for me. And so I, <laughs> I think you see a pattern. It's like, good God, like all the money that I spent I don't even know all the money that I spent. I was trying to buy something or listen to something that would just make me feel better. But, but nothing, I had no reason to feel bad. And I wasn't putting it together that it was all the drinking that was making me feel bad. Mm -hmm. So I feel like one of the, one of the worst stories was when I have to look at the date again. Um, in 2016, in late 2016, we had to evacuate for a hurricane. Um, and we've had a few of those the last couple of years. Obviously, it's really stressful. Um, you know, not only is it personal, but our job would be affected, our business and stuff too, if anything literally were to happen. So clearly, it's a stressful thing. And during this evacuation, my husband went with our company to somewhere else and some other people with our company. And then me and my daughter went to my parents in North Carolina. So we were separated. Um, 
And leading up to the day that we were going to evacuate, I know that I was drinking like crazy. Um, and so the night before, I vividly remember drinking wine. I remember drinking it very fast and not thinking in my head, I'm really stressed out and I'm freaked out. I was just drinking it really fast. But I know internally I was really freaked out because obviously the concept of leaving and being away from my husband and are we going to lose our house? Are we going to lose our business? Um, but went to bed and we knew that we would have to get up really early in the morning um, to just start driving to try to avoid traffic and got up early and I remember feeling really gross and just kind of being like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, this has happened before. So just have a greasy breakfast and you'll be fine. Um, and got on the road and even getting on the road was a little bit of a panic because there were at 4.30 in the morning, there were like lines at the gas stations and it, you could just feel the panic in the air. And so that's really stressful, but I'm trying not to show anything to my daughter because I don't want her to be freaked out. We're just going to grandparents' house. Um, but basically I had a massive hangover the drive there and I stopped not far out of our town at a rest stop because I was like okay maybe I just need to get a diet coke and some chips because that was my go-to when I had a bad hangover was a diet drink because that's healthy I don't want the calories from a regular coke heaven forbid and Doritos or something um and so I thought, okay, well, that'll be just what I need. But long story short, I ended up making about four stops along the way, literally pulling over on the interstate because I was about to throw up. And, and I, I know I don't mean to laugh, but I, like I pulled over on the interstate and I'm on the other side of the car. I didn't actually throw up, but I'm trying to throw up as my daughter's looking out the window at me and these cars are whizzing by and I'm just thinking, you know, yeah, this, this is it. But most of my mind was saying, well, you just have a migraine because you're stressed out, mm. not hung over. I mean, yeah, it was probably a little bit of the wine, Molly, but you're really stressed out and you have a migraine. Mm -hmm. Honest here. So I had to make three more stops and my last stop, I ended up throwing up in a box in my car and my daughter was helping us clean up or helping me clean up and then texted my mom when I got home and said, you know, I have a sick headache and I need to go to sleep when I get home, when I get to your house. And she was awesome and stuff and um, didn't drink that night, of course, but then the next night I had wine. You know, because the next day I just felt like I'm fine. Nothing's wrong. Everything's great. It's amazing you know, how short term our memory is for that. I totally relate. It's like so short term, you know. But even though I wasn't admitting it to myself, yeah, it was so stressful because the weather channel's playing all day long. You know, I just want to know what's going on, what's going on. And then it's just like chugging the wine. Like, <laughs> just bring it on. You know, I don't, I don't know what else to do. Um, so I guess that was about October and not long after that, I remembered, um, and around this time too, mind you, I, I drank every night, basically the same amount. It, it would depend on the nights, 
But usually every single day I would wake up with some form of hangover, whether it was super debilitating and I couldn't function was pretty rare. But for the most part, every day I woke up with some form of hangover. And so every morning it was an immediate assessment like, okay, how bad do you feel? How bad are you going to talk to yourself? Because that was basically it every morning too. Like, well, just, you're a complete idiot. Look at what you did again. Why do you feel so bad? I'm not going to drink anymore. This is ridiculous. And then at three o'clock, okay, I really need the wine. You know, we're we're getting wine tonight, right? We're going out to eat. We're going to drink. Or you do get wine at the grocery store, right? Like this is all going in through my head. Just this crazy from 730 in the morning to one or two, I was fine. And maybe that day I was really hungover and was eating chips and drinking diet stuff all day. But then when three, four o'clock hit, it was like, oh my God, I need wine again. Like I'm in panic mode if we're not drinking tonight. Like I'm in panic mode. I need my wine. Um, and obviously that was exhausting to have that in my brain every single day. So yeah, it was a consistent every day I woke up with some form of a hangover. And it's like, I just got used to feeling like crap every day to some degree. Meanwhile, I was still training for races. We were still active. We still exercise. Um, And, you know, it was always kind of a joke too, to be like, well, there's no better way to get rid of a hangover than to sweat it out. Um, But, you know, there was a few mornings I remember driving to the pool really early in the morning to go for a practice swim. And there was one in particular where, I mean, I just had a horrible hangover and this is just a regular weekday. And I got in the pool and I was like, I'm about to puke. Like I'm going to, I have to go home and then just went home. But all that stuff did was just make me feel really bad about myself, which then made me want to drink more at night. It didn't, you know, put a, didn't ring a bell or say, maybe you should stop drinking. Um, but after the evacuation experience, it did, it made me want to open up to my husband a little bit more because there was one instance in particular where I was leaving our, um, our work to go get our daughter from school. And I had, and I remember being hungover and, and this was still at like four o'clock in the afternoon. I still felt bad. And I had this massive, massive dizzy spell in my car and I had to pull over because I just I couldn't see straight. Um, and I had to pull over on the side of the road and let it pass and then start driving again. And even in that instance, like, thank God no one was behind me. No one was in front of me. Like my daughter wasn't in the car and nothing happened. Um, I don't know why that happened. I don't, maybe it was dehydration or something. I'm not really sure. but. So not long after that, I told my husband that I had to say it in a text message to start because I'm not really good at talking about my feelings and opening up about stuff like that. It's it's really hard. (laughs) So Mm -hmm. I had a text message first and then later that night we talked about it um, and I was able to open up to him a little bit about what was going on and what I was feeling and And he said that he had noticed that I was maybe drinking faster than I normally would or drinking more than I normally would. Um, And around that time, I stopped for a little bit. I stopped for maybe a couple weeks. I don't think it was a month. Um, 
And I remember it being okay, but it was still really stressful. It was like, it was okay if I was home, but if we left, it was really hard and we go out to eat a lot. So it was a little challenging for that and that aspect. Um, but around, so when was that? Yeah. So 2016, this is when I stopped for like a few weeks. And then um, my husband and I were going to New York City for the first time that year. We were going to go for his birthday. And I was really excited about it. Um, also, too, because we have one of those Peloton bikes at home. And we were going to go to the studio there. I love those. It's right there. You do? Yeah. yeah. Love that. So fun. Uh, we love it. Yeah. Um, but I was super, super, super stressed out about the trip. And I remember talking to him about it and saying, like, you know, almost in panic mode, like, I don't, how am I going to do this? Like, how are we going to go on this trip and I'm not going to drink? Like, I don't think I can do this. Um, and knowing what I know now, I was, I, I was clearly setting myself up for failure, but I just felt so panicked. I was like, I can't, I can't do this. I can't do it. There's no way. And you know, my God, I love him to death. You know, I'm sure eventually he was getting tired of hearing me say all this because he was like, you're going to be okay. Like, just calm down. You're going to be fine. He's like, just have a glass of wine and then stop. And that's it. You can enjoy wine, but just don't go crazy because he knows that I can take things to the extreme and whatnot. And so, um, and we probably talked about this like in the hotel before we went to dinner that night. And so I remembered sitting there in the booth and I was like, okay, you know, like, what am I going to order? Because I can't say that I want wine because it's the first thing they ask you, what do you want to drink? Even though they don't say alcohol, but that's really what they mean. Um, and I just, I think I looked at my husband because he had ordered first and I heard him say the wine and then I was like, okay, I'll take a glass. And it was just so fast and just so quick. And it was just like, all right, here we go. I'm having wine. You know, and, and he basically, you know, was kind of looking at me like, it's okay. You can have a glass of wine. Like, you're going to be okay. Don't stress out about it. And his big thing, too, was, you know, telling me, like, you can drink, just don't go to excess every night. And if you do go to excess and you feel bad, don't beat yourself up about it and then go back to normal drinking. It's like, okay, okay, I, I can do this. I can do this. We only stayed there for three nights and each night my drinking escalated. So on the flight home from New York city, I was trying not to throw up in the airplane because I had such a bad hangover. So just in three nights of, you know, going from a couple of weeks of not drinking to then, okay, I'm going to start again and I'm just going to try to have the one glass that escalated all the way up to that. So it was, pretty clear that, yeah, this isn't working. Like I can't have just a glass. It doesn't even work out for me. Um, and I think I went, I remember coming home and still feeling bad even late in the day, but being like, well, I need some more wine because I'm just mad and stressed out. And, um, and I think I went a few more days of feeling like crap and still drinking like normal. And then I talked to my husband again. And basically said, you can see what happened, right? You saw how I escalated so quickly. And I just, I need to stop. You know, something just, something meant right. And I just need to stop. And it did feel different. 
um, something was a little bit different in my brain and stuff. And I, um, so that was November and I ended up stopping. I stopped drinking and we were able to go out to eat and I didn't have a big deal. I wasn't, I wasn't super relaxed, but I wasn't like, you know, going like this the whole time, like, Oh my God, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? So I felt like I had a little bit of a handle on it. So this was in November and, but then the neck that come January, we were going on a cruise with our daughter and a couple of other friends and their kids. And I'd never been on a cruise before. So I was excited, but in the back of my mind, I was a little bit nervous. Not like I was when we went to New York City, but I was still a little bit like, okay, am I really going to be able to do this? Like, you know, we hadn't been on a major vacation yet. And, you know, and in a loud dining hall with a bunch of screaming kids and stuff. It's just like, I don't know. Am I going to really be able to do this? But I know I can do it. I know I can do it. But oh man, I don't know. I don't know. And it was weird because it was, everything was fine during the day. It was the nighttime. It was really hard. And the dinner table was hard. I mean, ever, all the adults at the table were drinking wine. Um, and they didn't really have anything else for me to drink. I, I can't, like, they didn't have a sparkling water. And I didn't really want caffeine. So I didn't want a Diet Coke. And um, so I can't even remember what I drank. So maybe I kind of felt like, I'm getting snubbed here. You know, I don't have anything fun to drink. Um, and when dinner was over... I do remember that internally I was really stressed and I just wanted to just go to the room and just stay in the room and not do anything else. I mean, we did have to get our daughter to sleep, but because it was just that hour, those few hours there where I would always drink. And when you're on the cruise ship, it's just what everybody does. And so, so that was really hard. But then it was like, okay, well, once I know I get to the room, I'm in my pajamas and I'm fine. And there's no maybe temptation, if you will. Um, but every night, this voice in my head was getting louder and louder at the table. It, this, this thing in my head was just saying, just drink wine. You know you want to. It was, it was the weirdest thing. And so the last night, I had wine. And then it didn't stop until I just stopped. So, and then I was just back in it. And I don't, the, the voice was so loud and just so crazy in my head. And I could, it was all I could think about at the dinner table too. And it was like, what the hell? Like, why is it like this? Cause it's not, I wasn't having these thoughts when we were having lunch or swimming or whatever. So I, I don't know. And then it, then I was just back to drinking again. And then it was like, okay, well I'm back in it. You know, then when we got home, it was back to the normal routine, I guess. Um, and it feels like everything's fuzzy from then on. Um, I kept searching, you know, for more of the books and more of the, I mean, my God, what else did I get? I got a ton more audiobooks. I'd search as many as I could possibly find. Again, the juice plan thing. I got more memoirs from different people. Um, I, you know, I just kept looking for something. Um, 
doing races was still part of what we were doing. And that brought me joy and it brought me confidence, but then it would go away after a couple of days. And so then I just felt like, well, I don't know, like, how can I get this joyful feeling? But then at the same time too, it was just, I don't have a reason. I kept questioning myself, wondering why do I feel like this? I I have no reason to feel like this. Like I shouldn't feel depressed or feel so low inside myself. There's just no reason. And still was not putting it together that it's the drinking. You're in that nasty cycle of you feel really bad, then you drink a whole lot, and then you're just back on the hamster wheel. Um, I, I just I was never, ever, ever able to put it together. But again, I was still listening to everything and waiting for that aha moment and it wasn't there. And then that was frustrating in itself because I um, was listening to your podcast and really, really was drawn to people's stories because I really just wanted to hear people talk mm-hmm. and listening to all the people that would be like, Oh yeah, I read your book and I just stopped drinking and it was amazing. And I'm thinking to myself, what the hell is wrong with me? Like I've read your book like five times. And I've read, you know, eight others and I'm still drinking, you know, like I don't understand what's going on. And then that made me feel worse and it made me want to drink more. And it just thought there's just something wrong with me. Like I can't, I can't stop. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so that was just the cycle. It was just every day, every night, you know, maybe a couple of times a week we would not drink. And that was because my husband said, let's, let's just not drink. And whenever he said that, I would internally just be in panic mode. I'd be like, oh, come on, just change your mind. Like, we have to be able to drink. You know, please just say that we're going to go out to eat because I knew if we went out to eat that we would definitely drink. And, um, and so if he said, well, no, we just need to take a break, you know, which we did, um, I would still just be in panic mode until it's time to go to sleep. And just be like, why are we not drinking right now? You know, I just couldn't relax. And um, I, just, I didn't know how to relax without the wine. I guess relax is the right word, even though it didn't relax you. Um, but I mean, there were so, 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 so many nights where he would go to sleep and I would finish drinking the wine and he would tell me, don't you drink the rest of that bottle? Like you need to pour that out. Or sometimes he would pour it out. And I would say to him, yeah, just pour it out. It's fine. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, why did I let him pour that out? Because I want it right now. I didn't need it. Um, But there were so many moments, yeah, where it was like, why don't you just go to sleep? And I promise I won't drink at all. Or, you know, I'll just drink a little bit more and pour the rest out. And of course I would finish it and feel like crap the next day. Um, And I had numerous hangovers where like they were debilitating where I just couldn't go to work. Um, Not a ton, but it was pretty consistent that I would go to work and not feel good. Um, But there would definitely be a few where it was like, I I literally cannot get in the car. There was no way. Like I have to go back to bed and close my eyes. But even having major ones like that and having such major headaches, I still 
even though I knew I was hung over, it was still kind of like, well, I just must be really stressed out because the headache is so bad. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what I was thinking, justifying to myself. Um, so this past holiday, um, I was having a consistent, you know, my consistent drinking patterns and hangovers like normal and feeling yucky and this and that. And there was, it was early December and I remember, I think it was like a Thursday night we drank. Um, I mean, I drank, you know, a decent amount of wine and woke up Friday morning, nasty, nasty hangover. Cause I remember going to work and signing Christmas cards and just feeling like, Oh, like I don't, I got to get fresh air. I need my chips. I need my drinks, whatever but I'm signing Christmas cards and doing work and stuff. And then still drank that night and felt like crap, but because I felt like crap, I wanted to drink more, make myself feel better. Saturday functioned as I, as best I could, but still felt like crap all day long. And the whole dialogue inside my brain is negative to myself, uh, you know, throughout this whole time, of course. Um, Saturday night, drank like normal, whatever. Sunday night, it seemed like I drank like normal, but we went out to eat for pizza and we'd always get wine. And then we stopped to get more on the way home. And I think we ended up just drinking more than we normally do, but I, I don't remember how much it was. Um, I didn't think it was a big deal or that I would be affected by any of it. But then that Monday morning woke up and again, it was just the really, really nasty, okay, I think I can go to work. I'm sure I'll be fine. Um, but then after my husband and my daughter left to go to school, I just thought, again, there's no way I can get in the car. Like, I'm going to, I'm just going to puke everywhere. Like, I just need to go back to bed. So I went back to bed. I remember I just turned my phone off and just went back to bed for a few hours. And then... Whenever I got up, I know I went straight to my phone. Um, I literally remember there was a ping that there was a new podcast from you. And I just started listening to it while I was trying to get a snack or drink or whatever. Um, and it was weird because there was like, I still felt really bad and was still frustrated with myself. But there was almost like this calm in my brain. And I just kind of was like, enough is enough. Like, th this is it. You know, this is ridiculous. Even though in the past I had written down on pieces of paper that I still have, like, in my closet and in my car, um, you know, that I need to stop. And this is the good and the bad of alcohol. Like, there's a list in my car that I wrote years ago that's still there. And it's just these short little sentences of positive things. And that's what I felt like when I didn't drink. So like I've, you know, tried to tell myself all that before, but, but there was just this weird calmness over me. And it was like, no, like I'm done. This is it. I, I cannot continue this. And the way that I feel right now is not normal and I can't do this anymore. Um, and Oddly enough, too, like when I was scrolling through Instagram and saw some cheesy, because there's so many people that post, you know, all these cheesy little inspirational quotes and stuff. But um, 
I wrote it down and it's in my closet now. And um, of course I can't remember it all, but it, it really resonated with me. And it was just basically like, you're not stuck. You can change, you can create new habits. You can recreate, not recreate yourself, but it's just basically, yeah, like you're not stuck. The biggest thing is that you decide today and just don't look back. And for whatever reason that, because I immediately wrote it down and listening to your podcast, it just in my brain, I was just like, I'm done. And there was no, there was no like anxiety about it. There was no stress about it. It was just, uh, I'm done and I can't do this anymore. And that's it. It's the last hangover I'm going to have. I can't even explain it. That's what's so weird because it took me like freaking four to five years to figure it out. But well, it I'm not able to person six years, just so you know. So oh, it did. Yeah. Okay. Like that. I read a study about that yeah. once from, from the time somebody starts thinking that their drinking might be a problem to when they finally say, put it away for good, the average time. And this is without, you know, input or interventions or books or whatever. It's like six years. So, you know, um, but that's, it gives me chills. That's so cool. And I mean, I really just appreciate you sharing this because I think that so often the stories on the podcast are the, oh, but then I was, you know, it was immediate and it was, and, and so I think this one is just going to so specifically resonate with people because there's so many people who it wasn't immediate. And then there's some weird sense of shame over that. Like, well, it didn't work for me right away, or this didn't work for me right away, or yeah. I did it together right away. And so we don't talk about it. Whereas like, I think yeah. this in your story of the ups and downs and, and especially being so specific and vulnerable about them, which I really appreciate, um, is going to give so much hope because it is not, it is not linear <laughs> and it's not, yeah. like you can explain it. And sometimes it takes literally years of trying to like get the information into your brain before you're ready to like finally take action on it. Um, yeah. I have a little bit of a framework I've kind of been developing around this, uh, since last October. And because I was really saying, well, why is it, why is it so quickly for some people and why do other people struggle? Yeah. And, you know, there's a bunch of different things to it that I've talked about in other podcasts, but one of the things, and after I developed this, I realized that from like, I think it's Polchowski's five steps of change very loosely mirrors it, but it's like this, this journey from being completely unaware that drinking is an issue. Right. And you described that so well of just having these mm -hmm. moments of like, Oh, but it must be the migraine. I must just be stressed. And like, just this, this block in your brain saying, I'm not going to yeah. allow that drinking is an issue because guess what? If it is an issue, and I remember this feeling so distinctly for me, if alcohol is the issue, alcohol feels like the only thing keeping my life together. So then where will I be? Like, I don't, yeah. I can't even conceptualize that. And so almost to protect myself, because if you, it's like, if you imagine that you have this, like, a good example is actually having an abusive like spouse or boyfriend, right? Where you feel like they're everything in your life and that your life, you can't even imagine life without them and that they're so vital yes. and so important. But so you can't say they're the issue. You can't say they're the ones making you um, miserable or unhappy because what then? Like there's no, there doesn't appear to be an alternative. So that's that like first stage of unawareness. And then you move into awareness and the awareness is so painful because it's where you're really caught in this, oh my gosh, it is an issue. And how am I going to deal with this? Because yeah. I don't see a way out. And that's where you start to like 
you know, it's almost, we, we resist awareness so much. And mm -hmm. I always say that as painful as awareness is, no matter if it's, you know, from um, something of your awareness about the eating thing with Portia de la Rose's book, or it's always painful, but it should always also really truly be celebrated because you can't change yeah. until you get to the awareness page. And then um, the knowledge is the next step, step three. And knowledge is just you, again, I have to share this because your journey just describes these steps so eloquently, but that's where you just started ingesting and inhaling information. I mean, you have this litany of, of literature that you got and podcasts and it was just like, and you had to get it in, like you had to get it in and you're like, but it's not working, it's not working. But um, yeah. the knowledge part is so important. It's so foundational and often it doesn't feel like it's but what you did is just keep pushing forward with that. Mm -hmm. And then the next step, step four, is um, I just call it action. And it's where you're starting to actually do things alcohol-free. And so I love this yes. step too because you're like, okay, I'm going to try this for a few weeks. And then I'm going to go to New York and see how it feels. And each one of those, although it feels like a backslide, you're actually going forward. It's just that you don't yeah. see it in the moment because you're learning. Your brain is learning. Okay. Well, one glass of wine doesn't work for me. Well, even the last night of a cruise, it didn't work for me, you know, and every, every step there is really helping you to do that. And um, I think the next step, which you're moving very quickly towards is just mastery. And um, I'd say it probably took me at least a year to really get to a point of like absolute irrelevance in my life. And it might've been closer to two years where it was just like total freedom because you have to go through every new thing. Um, yeah. We just went on an all-inclusive vacation. It was the first time we'd been on an all-inclusive vacation in probably seven years. It was the first one we did without drinking. And it was still, even five years later, it was still like, oh, it's a new thing. I still have to navigate yeah. a new thing. And it made alcohol, I was thinking the first, whole first day I was there, I was thinking about alcohol more than I have in years because it was like, wow, uh, am I getting my money's worth? Like, this is crap. <laughs> and yeah. you know, weird thoughts like that. I'm like, who is this? Why am I, why am I here? <laughs> again, just kind of like, it is a new thing. And so I think mastery really comes, you have to, you know, just solid action and understanding um, that, you know, no matter what comes, you're done. So now you just get to navigate yeah. all these new experiences. So anyway, I wanted to share that just because your story just really followed that. I call it the path and it just followed that path really beautifully. And uh, it's just such a good example of, of, I think the stages people literally have to go to. And I'd say that for anybody listening, like if you find yourself at any of those stages, you know, celebrate it because every stage is a state, a step towards mastery, which is what I define mastery as is just effortless enjoyment of the change it means you're effortlessly yeah. just enjoying life at a new level of awareness, of int intuition, of presence, of satisfaction of finally living completely congruent with who you are, which, you know, waking up with peace. And I mean, just yeah. really enjoying it without the effort because all the four stages before they take effort, it's efforting, you know, you have to effort to, you know, yeah. reading books is efforting. Um, you know, the New York trip or the five days before you actually had the drink, the last day of the cruise, that's efforting. Uh, and, and even, the drinking is efforting because the, those lessons are coming with you be, being very cognitively aware of like weighing everything. But anyway, I love your story. Yeah. I think, and thank you so much for sharing it. Thank it's you. It's awesome. Yeah. And right, right now for sure. It's a, because I mentioned earlier about how I don't like talking about my feelings and obviously I was really, really used to even just within myself, not wanting to feel my feelings. 
And I've been clearly a lot more acutely aware of, well, I'm feeling sad or I'm feeling stressed out. And that's when I would normally reach for wine and I don't want wine now, but I'm, but I'm understanding, I'm, I'm starting to understand myself a little bit more, which, you know, sometimes kind of sucks because all those nasty feelings, I was just so used to numbing away, even though it's within myself, but you're just used to, well, I'm, I'm just going to numb it and just ignore it. Like, let's just ignore it. But now, you know, I'm trying, it's a process, but, you know, I'm trying to be like, okay, why do I feel like this? Maybe I need to go for a walk or I'll walk the dog or what can I do, you know, with my daughter to take my mind off of it or something like that. So that's awesome. It is absolutely a process for sure. (laughs) So let me ask you the question that I always sort of end these with is like, um, what, what would you tell Molly of, you know, a few years ago or even whenever she was really struggling with this and felt like, okay, everybody else is getting it and I'm not getting it. Like, what's wrong with me? Like, what, what encouragement would you give her? What would you tell her about what, what it's like now? Mm. Um, probably that there is an end to all of this and to just keep, to just keep pushing along. Like it, it sucks right now and it's hard, but just, just keep pushing. You're, you're going to find the light at the end of the tunnel. You know, you're used to pushing and running or pushing and biking. So just think of it like that. Just, just keep pushing and you're going to be okay. There is an end. (laughs) I love that. So good. It's such good advice. And again, thank you so much, Molly, for sharing your story. I think it's just really powerful and I really appreciate it. Thank you very much. Have a wonderful day. Yeah, you too. Thank you. Hi, are you looking to connect with like-minded people? Sometimes maybe you feel like as someone who knows all this information from the snake in mind or the alcohol experiment that you're living in a world of muggles and people just don't speak your language. That is why I created The Exchange. The Exchange is an online community where we meet face-to-face live video calls multiple times a week with people from all over the globe just to connect, to have somewhere you're seen and you're heard and you feel less alone and really that you can give back and get the support you need. So if this sounds great to you, check it out at thisnakedmind.com backslash exchange. And as always, rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast as it truly helps the message reach somebody who might need to hear it today.